You're listening to So So Speaks, a different kind of podcast where each week we discuss everything and anything that matters. No boundaries, no limitations, just real conversations, real stories, and real facts. What's up, guys? Sonay here, and I am back with another episode. It's another unsolved mystery from France. This is an extremely heartbreaking and bizarre case. Now, please be advised that parts of it may be difficult to listen to because some of the details are quite graphic. Today, we are going to talk about the disappearance of baby Habib Nede. Now, I say baby, but today, in 2024, Habib would be 11 years old. Habib went missing with his father in January 2014 and hasn't been seen since. A few months after their disappearance, the decapitated body of his father was found floating in a river in a small commune near the Spanish border. So what happened to him? And where is Habib? Let's get into it. It is the 19th of January 2014 in Verfey, a small commune in southeastern France not far from Toulouse. Jennifer, 31 years old, Habib's mother, is anxiously waiting for her 13-month-old son to be dropped off by her ex, Mehdi. Her and Mehdi, 35 years old, have been separated since October 2013, and Jennifer lives alone with Habib. After their separation, Mehdi moved back in with his parents in Toulouse, and by January, they had an established custody agreement. Jennifer had full custody. On this particular Sunday, Mehdi should have dropped Habib off at 6 p.m., but he's late, and Jennifer starts panicking because Mehdi hasn't been responding to her texts or answering her phone calls. She hasn't physically seen Habib since the 15th, when she dropped him off to spend a few days with his father. As the minutes tick by, Jennifer gets increasingly anxious. At 6.30, she decides to call Mehdi's parents in Toulouse, and that phone call changes everything. Mehdi's parents haven't seen him since the day before at 3 p.m., the 18th, when he told them that he was going out grocery shopping with Habib. For some reason, however, they didn't find it concerning when the two didn't come back. But that information is enough for Jennifer to panic. She immediately calls the police. Unfortunately, the police tell her that because it is Sunday, the station is closed, and that she would need to wait until the following day to go in and file a complaint. As you can imagine, that was a sleepless night for the young mother. Early the next morning on the 20th of January, Jennifer rushes to Toulouse to file a report. She explains to the police how she hasn't heard from Mehdi in two days. She is sure that Mehdi took her son on purpose. They had a tumultuous relationship, and she feels as though he's trying to get back at her. At the police station, she explains everything, highlighting the reason for their separation, which was due to domestic violence. She also mentions how he had threatened her on many occasions that he would take Habib and go. The police seem to agree with her that this is the most likely scenario. Mehdi is of Algerian origin and had previously said to her during arguments that he had no reason to stay in France. There was nothing left here for him. There was even a court order put in place that forbade Mehdi from leaving the country with Habib. While the police investigate, Jennifer launches her own. She manages to convince Mehdi's parents to let her look at his computer. She goes through his search history, trying to find any clues of where they could be. She specifically looks to see if he bought tickets out of the country, but finds nothing. The only thing she does find from his search history is that he visited multiple dating sites. 
While going through his computer, she also realizes that she has access to his bank accounts. And when looking through his transactions, the results are troubling. There has been zero movement in Mehdi's accounts since their disappearance, not even cash withdrawals. Following this, Jennifer and her lawyer try to determine what kind of ID Mehdi had on him, whether French or Algerian. They end up finding out that both his passport and ID are expired. He has no valid identification, so theoretically, there is no way for him to leave the country legally. They also find out some more concerning information. In December 2013, so a month prior, Mehdi had an ID card made for Habib without Jennifer's consent, without her knowing. Now, it is not specified if it was a French or Algerian ID card, but at this stage in the investigation, things are not looking good. Jennifer's next step is to go to Mehdi's business, a small fast food joint that despite him owning, he hadn't been working at for a few months. When she gets there, she discovers to her shock that the business has changed hands, and Mehdi no longer owns it. But there is a number for the new owner, and so she calls. The new owner adds another layer of mystery to the investigation. She tells Jennifer that she bought the establishment on December 1st for an initial payment of 5,000 euros cash. She also states that her and Mehdi made a deal that on the 15th of each month, she would pay him 500 euros cash until the remaining balance was paid off. Realizing that they were, of course, past the 15th of the month, Jennifer asked the owner if Mehdi had picked up January's payment. She tells her no, that Mehdi called her on the 14th to confirm, but that he ultimately never showed up. Mind you, Mehdi and Habib were last seen on the 18th of January. So once again, confusion reigns. 10 days after their disappearance, Jennifer returns to the police station. She files more charges against Mehdi. She also continues trying to contact him to no avail. Despite their tumultuous past, Mehdi would always end up responding to her messages. So him not responding to her at all was very unusual. In order to fully understand what could have happened to Mehdi and Habib, the police decide to delve into the couple's past. Mehdi and Jennifer met in 2001. At the time, Jennifer was 17 years old and Mehdi 21. They liked each other immediately and dated for six years before they decided to move in together. Mehdi, at this point in his life, was going to school where he was studying to take care of and work with racehorses. His dream was actually to become a jockey's assistant. It was his passion. Unfortunately, things didn't turn out that way. At some point, he starts having chronic back pain. And when he finally goes to the doctor, he finds out that he has an extremely aggressive form of TB. Due to this, he's forced to drop out of school. It even got to the point where he was unable to walk and was fully dependent on Jennifer for care. It was very difficult for him physically, but also mentally. After a long battle, he's ultimately cured. And in 2012, Habib is born. Although he's an extremely loving and doting father, Jennifer and Mehdi's relationship deteriorates. In 2013, they end up separating due to domestic violence, and Jennifer gets full custody of Habib. Now, leading up to their disappearance, Mehdi had told Jennifer that he wanted to spend more time with Habib, which is why she ended up letting Mehdi keep him a bit longer than usual. On Saturday, January 18th, they actually argue back and forth about it via text. Because not only was he supposed to drop Habib off the day before, but now he wants to keep him even longer. 
Jennifer reaches her limit and tells Mehdi that she's done giving him allowances and going forward, he will have to respect the court's ruling. She then turns her phone off and stops responding. And that is the last time she hears from him. We are now in February 2014 and still no sign of them. On February 15th, Jennifer gets a call from the police. They have the results from Mehdi's phone GPS. They find out that between the 19th and 20th of January, Mehdi's phone was in a commune called L'Hôpitalé Rélandor. They ask her if she's ever been there or if she knows anyone from there. She's never heard of the place before and asks for more information. They tell her that the closest commune to L'Hôpitalé Prélandor is Aix-les-Termes and immediately something clicks. A few days before their disappearance, Jennifer and Mehdi had a conversation about him going to Aix-les-Termes with some friends and he wanted to take Habib with him. Jennifer was uneasy about the idea. Mehdi doesn't have a license and she's wary about his friends. The following day, however, it ended up being a non-issue because Mehdi sent her a text saying that he overslept and didn't end up going. His friends supposedly left without him, but the GPS doesn't lie. He was definitely in that area. Well, at least his phone was. Now that they know this, they are even more concerned that Mehdi must have kidnapped Habib in the hopes of taking him to Algeria, considering the fact that L'Hôpital Prélandor is not far from the Spanish border and would be an easy way to cross into Algeria. Jennifer decides to head out there. She prepares Habib's clothes and food, holding out some hope that she would find him. When she gets there, she puts up flyers and asks everyone if anyone has seen them. No one has. We are now on the 25th of April, 2014, around three months after their disappearance. Jennifer's life is about to change forever. She's reading the news on her phone when she comes across an article discussing the discovery of a headless body floating in a dam in L'Hôpitalé Prélandor, the exact place that Mehdi's phone GPS pinged from. Some employees found it while they were doing routine maintenance. The body had appeared to be in the water for a few days. Once the police get there, they can tell it is the body of an adult male. But not only is the body missing its head, its hands are also extremely damaged. It is, however, still clothed, even still has shoes on. Once the body is autopsied, a cause of death is not able to be determined. However, the pathologist does confirm that the decapitation took place post-mortem. They think it was the turbines of the dam that did it. The police are unable to identify the body, so they put the word out to the press, asking for help. As soon as Jennifer sees the article, she calls them. The police tell her that the body has an abdomen scar on the right side, and deep down, she knows. Mehdi had that exact same scar from his battle with TB. The police then, to be sure, compare the body's DNA to that of Mehdi's mother. And on the 14th of May, 2014, all doubt is erased. Jennifer gets a call from the police. The body that was found was indeed that of Mehdi Neder. Of course... She is devastated. They all are. And there is still no sign of Habib. Of course, the questions are now numerous. How did Mehdi die? Could he have committed suicide? For Mehdi's family, that's impossible. According to them, he had so many plans for his future. He wanted to get himself established and be able to have alternate custody of Habib. The police continue to investigate further and search the river extensively to see if they can locate the baby. But they find nothing. Not one trace of him 
or his stuff. So another question is, did Mehdi even take Habib with him over there? And that question remains unanswered. In fact, they all do. Since the 18th of January 2014, no one has seen Habib. No trace of him has ever been found. Today, in 2024, we are 11 years into this mystery. Although Jennifer has since remarried and had other children, she hasn't given up hope on Habib, and she never will. His absence has left a large hole in her heart. She constantly updates his Facebook page, hoping that one day his story will reach someone that knows something. She recently posted for his 11th birthday. Now, this is another case that leaves me completely stumped. I actually have some questions of my own. The fact that we never found out Mehdi's cause of death, nor what happened between the 18th and 20th of January 2014. Did Mehdi end up going to L'Hôpital Prélandor with those friends? Who were those friends? And if he didn't go with them, how did he get there? Because he didn't have a license. Why did he tell Jennifer that he overslept when he clearly hadn't? We know that from the GPS. Why did he not go and pick up the 500 euros cash on the 15th of January, considering he was still alive and well? Why did he get an ID card made for Habib behind Jennifer's back? And was it a French ID card or was it an Algerian ID card? They state in the documentary that the body appeared to have been in the water for a few days, but the body was found in April 2014. So if this is the case, where was Mehdi between his disappearance in January and April when his body was found? How did no one notice him with a child in a small commune like that? Did he even take Habib with him? Why weren't his parents concerned when they didn't come back from grocery shopping on the 18th of January? Did someone take Habib across the border? There are so many questions and so little answers. Were the police able to check the numbers that Mehdi contacted? We will probably never know. I just hope that one day Habib is found alive and well. Alright guys, that's all for today's episode. Now, I could discuss theories about what I think could have happened for hours. But the bottom line is, there is so little information that we would go around in circles. Had Mehdi's body never been found, it would be easy to think that Habib and him were living in Algeria. But Mehdi's death is what makes this case even more jarring. So if you happen to have any information regarding the disappearance of Habib Neder or the death of Mehdi Neder, please contact Jennifer's Facebook page. She will be able to get you in touch with the appropriate authorities. The link is in the description. All my social media is also linked below. You can get updates on my upcoming episode, which will be about an unsolved serial killer case from Namibia, which for those of you who don't know is a country in southern Africa. Now, it's going to be another long one, over 180 pages, but it's definitely a terrifying, terrifying case. So just keep in mind that I might be gone a while. All right, well, that is all from me for today. Thank you so much to everyone that listened to my podcast. I really appreciate it. Definitely going to work on getting more episodes out, as I said. And of course, as always... I wish you the best wherever you are, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Yeah, they can't hold us back. We on another level. Yeah, it's that new age, ain't it something special? Yeah, we gon' change the game. We gon' live forever. Yeah, it's that new age.
cage Now they wanna play cause they're tryna get paid But they can't cause they're too late We got stacks already making it rain They can't afford us now Jump on the jet switching borders now Roll me off when I was 17 Fast forward, they're my employees now